How many of you guys, you can raise your hand if you want. How many of you guys, uh, sometimes musical worship kind of freaks you out? Like you don't know what to do? Yeah? Kind of, thanks for the honesty. Yeah. When I was your age, I was the same way. I was like, I don't know what this is. And I was even in a church that didn't have like drums back then because I'm old. Um, so sometimes it's just like some people are into it and some people are not. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, let's uh, go to Colossians. So pull out your Bibles if we need to grab some off the tables. Uh, we're going to need our Bibles a lot tonight. We're going to be jumping all over the place in the Bible. So have a neighbor who actually knows how to use this Bible or get a Bible for yourself. There's some in the back. Raise your hand. Let's go ahead and turn to the book of Colossians. All right, the book of Colossians, it's after the book of Philippians, if, you, if that helps. Uh, chapter 3, it's on page 984 of my Bible, if that helps anyone at all. Yep. Chapter 3, verse 16. There? Colossians. Yeah. Colossians. All right, here we go. Read or not? Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So a little bit of context here. Uh, Paul, you guys familiar with Paul, right? Big missionary guy. Uh, he writes this, wrote this uh, letter to the church Colossae, the, the Colossians. Uh, he wrote a lot of letters to several churches that he helped plant uh, over the years that he uh, was a traveling missionary. And so he wrote this letter uh, to them, and specifically in chapter 3 here, uh, we got to give some context because um, a verse with no context really has not a whole lot of meaning. So in the context here, uh, Paul is writing about what we're to be like as Christians, kind of what this Christian life uh, is all about. Specifically, in this chapter, he talks about this idea. He uses this imagery of taking off our old person, our before salvation person, before we became Christians, right? We take that off, and then we put on a new self. And so it's kind of like we're taking off this old jacket that doesn't keep us warm and doesn't, like, protect us from rain at all. We're taking that off, and then we're putting on a new jacket that's awesome named Jesus, Right? Jesus is way cooler than a jacket. That's just the analogy. Uh, so we're taking off the old self, we're putting on the new self, and he talks about all these things uh, that we're to do and not to do as Christians. And so here uh, in verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Any ideas of what the word of Christ is? Anyone? Yep. The Bible. Absolutely right. So the Bible, uh, for him, uh, Paul, the writer, Specifically, that was a lot of Old Testament scriptures, and then also specifically uh, the words that, uh, of Jesus that had been handed down uh, through tradition. Uh, but for us, we thankfully have all those written down. And so, um, so the word of Christ is scripture. And so he says, to let that dwell in you richly. So when you dwell in something, it's kind of a fancy word to say to live in. Like you dwell in your house, right? You live in your house. And so this is saying, let the word of Christ, let the Bible live in you. We'll talk about that a lot uh, next week, because next week's uh, message is all about why you have to hear me, Goofy, 
big guy up here every week speaking. Uh, but this week is about singing and worship. Emily always gets uh, awkward and red-faced when I talk about myself being big. And then now she's even more awkward because I'm pointing her out for it. Um, so he says, let the word of Christ live in you. It's got to be a part of you. And so connected with this, because remember, all of, these, all of these verses, even though there are like different numbers there, but this is even just one verse together, all this works under one idea. And so this is a connected thing that the word of Christ should live in you. And then he goes on to say that out of the flow of that, we're to admonish, we're to lift up one another in wisdom. But then he says, with singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in most all of Paul's letters... He mentioned singing in some way or another. Either he told them that they should be singing directly like he did here to the Colossians, or sometimes Paul in his writing, it's hard for us to see sometimes in the English, uh, they do a good job uh, when they can of telling you when it is. But sometimes Paul himself would even break into a song, and so it would be written in poetic form. Uh, and so singing, even in the early, early church, was a big deal. They obviously didn't have cool electric guitars uh, like Casey's, or drum sets, uh, but they, they would sing, and they did have instruments, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, so in all of this context, Paul finds it important enough to tell uh, all of these churches that they should be singing, and we believe that these letters that he wrote that we now have in our, in our Bible were given to us by the Holy Spirit, right? Which means that through Paul, the Holy Spirit is telling us that we should also be singing, this doesn't tell us the quality of which we should sing. Some of us are, are awesome at singing and some of us uh, are not. But it doesn't say sing unless you can't sing, right? It just says that we're supposed to sing. Other places in the Bible it talks about making a joyful noise. Um, joyful doesn't mean awesome. It just means joyful, right? It means happy. Uh, and so the purpose of singing in this context, if you look there at the beginning of uh, verse 16. He says, teaching and admonishing one another. You can connect that directly with the Bible. We're supposed to be teaching uh, and lifting one another up with the Bible, but also it's connected with this idea of singing. So the purpose in this context of singing is to encourage one another. So the songs that we sing are encouraging, right? And they're also teaching us things. There, even, the, even the most non-musical people on the planet better memorize uh, words and ideas when they're written to a tune than if it's just straight lyrics or straight words on a paper, right? So, like, when you're, you were a kid, how were you taught the alphabet? They taught you a song, right? That you didn't just have to sit there and go, A, B, C, Q? I don't know. Uh, no, like, they taught you a song because... There's something about a melody that helps you memorize and help you, helps you learn these concepts uh, in a better way than just trying to stare at a piece of paper and go, come on, get it, memorize it. Ugh. So there's something about music that just connects with us in that way, right? So even uh, for those of us who uh, grew up in the church and then just in the Bible Belt in general, you probably know the song, Jesus Loves Me, right? You guys know that, that song? Yeah, got some singers up front. Joyful noise is all I'm going to say about that. Um, all right, listen up, listen up. So, Jesus loves me. What's the point of teaching uh, little kids this song? What do you say, Donnie? Jesus loves them. So that they know that Jesus loves them, right? 
Really simple, title tells you right from the beginning, Jesus loves me. And so you're teaching these kids this basic but huge concept that Jesus loves them. And even a two-year-old or almost three-year-old like my Emma, a lot of you guys have met her, she even understands the idea of love because of the way that Jesse and I, and you guys, when you were little, you understood what love was from your parents or your grandparents or whoever was significant in your life when you were that age or even now. And so you're connecting this idea of love with Jesus, right? And so they're going, oh, Jesus loves me, like mommy loves me, like daddy loves me. But also, the song also goes on and talks about, for the Bible tells me so, right? And so not only are you teaching them this huge concept that Jesus loves them, but you're also teaching them that it's not just because this song tells you that you should believe that Jesus loves you, but the Bible, which is uh, an important uh, document, it's an important thing, it's an active, living, breathing thing that tells us that Jesus loves us, right? And so singing, the purpose of singing and the purpose of musical worship uh, in a lot of ways is for us to learn things about God. And so these writers who are inspired to write these songs are writing these concepts to help us get it. So, Because a lot of times, yes, we're supposed to be reading our scripture, uh, and we're supposed to do that daily, but there are times that we just don't get it, and then we hear a song, and we go, oh, that's what that's about. So on more of a scale that's not a, a kiddie song, um, there's a song, uh, 10,000 Reasons, right? You guys heard that song? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yep, I'm not going to sing all of it. Um, this song is teaching the concept that God is good, and there are thousands and thousands of reasons that God is good, right? There are lots and lots of examples, um, and we're not going to go on uh, for that. So you get the idea that the purpose, the purpose of singing, the purpose of musical worship uh, is for encouraging one another and to learn uh, biblical truths. Now let's talk about um, some of the things that are allowed in worship. And I use that word semi-purposely uh, and then semi just because I can't come up with another one. Uh, so let's, let's flip over to the book of Psalms. We're going to be there a lot. Uh, I think it's fairly appropriate uh, that if we're talking about uh, music that we go to the book of the Bible that is only music. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, we'll start in uh, the 34th. So Psalm 34. So uh, actions during uh, worship. There was uh, decades and decades ago, um, I don't even remember when it started. I'm pretty sure it was before I was born, which means it was a long time ago. Um, there was this movement called the charismatic movement that started. You guys have probably heard this word, charismatic. Um, so there was this movement that started, and these people um, seemingly were really, really excited about Jesus, really excited about God. And they were hooping, hollering, dancing, doing all kinds of craziness uh, in church. Uh, and you'll see some of that is all fair and well, uh, but in a lot of ways it was just fake. They were doing it to put on a show. They were doing it for themselves. They weren't doing it for Jesus. Um, in a response to that, a lot of people and a lot of Baptists included uh, sort of swung the pendulum. You have this idea of this pendulum, right? You guys know what that is? pendulum, like a granddaddy uh, clock, right? String, there's a circle on it, swings back and forth, right? Pendulum. Okay, so charismatic movement on this side, the pendulum swings, whoop, other side, the other extreme, 
You have these people, because they don't want to be associated with the charismatic movement at all, this is what they do in church. Let it be awkward, because that's awkward, right? So you have these two ends. You have these people who are hooping, hollering, acting crazy, chaotic, and then these people who seemingly are just disconnected from worship. And so this is, it can be a scary thing when we talk about like things that are appropriate and things that aren't appropriate uh, during worship because uh, I don't want to tell you like, yeah, do whatever you want uh, because that can real quickly get too crazy. But I don't want to hinder you in a lot of ways because I want you to be free to do what the Lord leads you to. And that's what's important is your heart is where your focus is uh, and if the Lord is leading you to do those things. So first let's talk about uh, some uh, different types of vocal responses. So here, uh, Psalm 34, one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so here he's talking about speaking. The praise of the Lord will always be what you are speaking, right? As you're going through your daily life, as you're talking to everyone that you, is around you, praising the Lord is always there. All right, let's jump over to Psalm 27, verse 6. Quickly. Can't take a lot of time on this stuff. Ready? Here we go. And 27, 6. Yep. And now my head shall be lifted up uh, above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So in this verse, the psalm writer is talking about shouting, right? You guys know what shouting is? Can you demonstrate? What's shouting? Yeah. All right. Shouting done. Okay. So shouting. Uh, he talks about sacrificing. The Old Testament sacrificing was uh, a form of worship, but thanks to Jesus' death on the cross, we no longer have to do that. So you can skim past that sacrifice part. Uh, and then he says, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And so obviously singing is a response of worship, right? And shouting is a response of worship. Uh, let's move to Psalm 95.6. Here we go. Bible drill. I don't know if you guys did that here, but 95, 6. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so these are, uh, we're moving now into a section where we're, uh, we're talking about postures, right? You guys know what posture is? Like your parents like tell you, like, sit up straight, Right? form posture. So it's just a position that your body is in. So uh, this writer is talking about kneeling before the Lord. What are, what are times, whoop, things stepping on, uh, what are times that, um, that you kneel? Yeah. So at football practice, whenever you're listening to the coach talk, give you a plan, you're listening to him, you're on a knee so that you can see him clearly. Yep. What? To tie your shoe? It's fair enough. I wouldn't have thought of that. Fair enough. But uh, other times uh, are times of surrender. Like if someone uh, scares you and you're giving up, a lot of times you're, you're like, okay, fine. You're, bi- you're, you're bigger than me. Back in the day, whenever you would approach a king, you'd always do it being lower than him, right? And so in this way, we're bowing before Jesus. We're bowing before the king. All right, Psalm 33.8. You ready? Jump over. 33.8. 
Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And so here we're talking about standing, but specifically we're talking about standing in awe. Imagine, uh, how many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, I haven't either, but I imagine it's like this. I imagine it's this huge place because I've seen pictures. And when you stand there, all you can do is just stand there and take it in, right? There are no words. Nothing can really explain what you're seeing. And so sometimes when we're before the Lord, all we can do is just stand there in awe and admire how awesome and how huge he really is, right? Okay, one more of these postures. Let's go to Psalm uh, 149.3. 149.3. It's the second to the last one in the book of Psalms. Here we go. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. Lyre is just like an old original version of a guitar. It's not someone who tells lies. Um, So here it says that we should dance before the Lord, right? Right? This means yes? Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, good. So this says we should dance before the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that, like, when you're in here and we're, and Casey's going to town on a guitar that you can just be whipping it, all right? That's not what we're talking about when we say uh, dancing. I'm not going to explain to you what this dancing is because that may be different for everyone. The key here uh, is that Scripture says in multiple places that worship is to be orderly. I don't mean that, like, there's a bulletin, like, that you get on Sunday and it tells you, like, oh, we're going to do this, then this, and this. This That's not what it means by orderly. It just means uh, that there's a purpose and that it's not distracting and chaotic, right? So if at some point in worship you're moving and maybe you kind of feel like dancing, whatever that means for you, uh, it's done in a way that's focused on Jesus and it's not distracting for others. Does that make sense? And so these are kind of the guidelines that unfortunately weren't followed in the charismatic movement is that they they were distracting and it was really, really uh, chaotic. Okay, so there's one other section here uh, of musical worship I want to talk about. And this is what you do with your hands. I got a video that we're going to show real quick that's going to help intro this. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. 
Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. All right. So those are some of your options. Those are all appropriate uh, when talking about worship uh, and during worship. Let's uh, jump to Psalm 47.1. Tim Hawkins is a hilarious guy. If you've not heard his uh, Chick-fil-A song, you should do that too. 47.1. says, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. In case you haven't picked up, there are a lot of these uh, verses that talk about shouting, but yet we're real quiet in church. So that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, so clap your hands. That's a part of it. There are lots of ways. Uh, yeah. Woo! Clap your hands. Yep. So clapping your hands is a way... All right, is a, is a way uh, of worship. There are lots of ways to do that. A lot of times we clap at the end of songs, right? Sometimes it's to tell a person, like, hey, you did a good job worshiping Jesus. And sometimes it's just, hey, that song was awesome, connected with that. And then sometimes maybe just in the middle of a song you feel like clapping, whatever the Lord leads you to do. Um, Psalm 63.4, let's jump there. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Just a little biblical background to what you saw in the video, that it is absolutely appropriate uh, at times for you to lift your hands. The whole point of all of this, the reason I threw all these verses at you, uh, talking about all these things, is you may not know, uh, but I want you to know that in this place, and by this place I mean here, but also just in, in church in general, whether you think it or not, you are free to express your worship before God in any way that, that you feel you need to. If there are times that you need to be bowed down before God in the middle of a song or at any point, do that. If there are times that you need to raise your hands like a kid who wants to be picked up by their father or someone uh, who's surrendering, at any point, if you need to do those things, you are free in this place to do that. Um, there are also times that songs call for you to actually do actions. And here's the funny thing about that. So we're going to sing a song uh, in a few minutes called The Stand. And at one point it says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. 
Uh, and it's real funny, in a lot of crowds, there's like one person that goes, yep, got it. So everybody else is just singing this song, uh, but they're not doing what the song is saying. Like, if you're really not standing there with your arms high and heart abandoned, don't sing the lyrics. But if you sing the lyrics, then you should participate in what the song is telling you to participate in. Uh, now, I don't want you to be fake. If, if you're not in a place that you, want, you need to raise your hands and your heart is abandoned, then don't do that. Don't be fake at all. But maybe there are times that we need to listen to what the song says to help us get into that mode. So maybe the song says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, and you're like, man, I want that. And so there are times it's appropriate to do that to motivate yourself to be that way. Here's a phrase I want you guys to remember, okay? Eyeballs up here, focus in. Your outward actions are a direct expression of your inward reality. So at times when you're sad, you look sad on the outside, right? What's up, fellas? And whenever you're happy, you look happy on the outside, right? This means yes? Yep. Okay. So your outward, your outward actions are an expression of your inward reality. And so when you're at a place that you're worshiping God, it should look that way. And now by no means am I saying that you have to be a person that raises their hand or have to be a person that hoops and hollers. I am not that person. If you ever pay attention to me in worship, uh, rarely do I raise my hands unless song specifically calls for it uh, and I want to be in that situation just because personality plays into this. Some people uh, are, are fist pump people and they're high energy and that's awesome and that's how they connect with the Lord. I'm a little more reserved in what I do, the whole like hands, arm flap, that's kind of me. It's kind of where I hang out a lot. And me and Jesus, we hang out there and we love it. So I'm not by any means saying that you have to be a uh, uh, jump, shout, high five Jesus kind of person. Uh, and by no means am I saying that you have to be a hands in the pocket, flap your arms kind of person. But I want you to know that all of these things are free for you to express your worship to Jesus.